Well, there's two ways to prevent being disappointed from failing at New Year's resolutions. One you saw, and that is to continue to de-elevate them to such an extent that you can keep them. You know, I mean, I, I saw this one guy's list and said, exercise less, eat more, um, um, uh, read less, watch more TV, and don't uh, date a supermodel. <laughs> Problem with that angle is you, nothing changes, you know. The other, the other way is to go big, to realize that you don't need just a few improvements. You need a whole new life. Uh, you don't need to move anywhere. You just need a, new, need a new life in the life you already got. See, the Bible doesn't really know much about incremental improvement. Uh, the Bible knows about death and resurrection. The, the Bible knows about, about making all things new. And so we come to this very opportune time in our year where we can leave some stuff behind. I always make New Year's resolutions. I, 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 I make them both physically and spiritually to, to get rid of some of the stuff in my life that I know is interfering with my full relationship with God, loving God fully, loving others fully. Um, and, and, that, um, and I make them uh, not only for health, but for stamina's sake. So I, I do that. You don't need to throw away the concept. It's a good concept. The problem is, somebody once described it like pushing mush with a stick. You know what mush is? Think of cream of wheat or something like that. Uh, the part that you push moves, but the rest of it just kind of stays the same. And so what about the rest of life? We need more than just a few increments to, to lead truly different lives. And so we're going to just start a, a whole new series. But before we get there, we've got to come to a starting place. You know, one of those places where you go, one, two, three, go. When, 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 uh, when uh, yesterday we, we celebrated my uh, brother-in-law, youngest brother-in-law's uh, birthday, just turned 60. And Becky said, you know, when he was a kid, <clears throat> he, 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 he kind of loved money, but it went as fast as it came in, you know. And he was like six years old, and he was sitting at the table, and he was so frustrated because he didn't have any money because he spent all his money. And so somebody just looked at him and said, you realize, Matt, don't you, that you'll never have any money unless you spend less than you get. You actually have to save some money in order to have some money. Well, six years old, it like dawned on him. And so he sat there literally, and he said, literally, I'm going to do that. One, two, three, go. Today, he's one of the wealthiest men I know. He follows Jesus. He's one of the most generous men I know. But he lives very frugally because he started at that point when he was six years old. That's literally when it started. If you want a new life, you have to have a starting place. You have to have a declaration that says, no, my life's going to be different. It's going to be different. And I don't need just some new habits uh, or a little self-improvement. I need a resurrection here. I need to kill off some of my old life and, and have a whole new life. And so we're about to do what we do at communion. And that is to leave 
our sins behind and to be cleansed from our sins and all unrighteousness. But let me go into this act and why it's a great way to start a new year. I, I'm glad you came in from the, you know, I don't know how many you partied last night. Was, was there more fireworks this year than ever before? It's like, holy cow, all our neighbors got together and, and bought out a fireworks store or something. It's like, anyhow, but be that as it may, just had to check to see if I lived in the only neighborhood that didn't run out of fireworks. Um, the, the point is that, that we not only leave behind what needs to be left behind, but we start out the year clean. Now, this is what it says. These are the words of the scriptures when it describes communion. In Matthew chapter 26, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, and we'll do that momentarily, and when I give thanks, I'll give thanks in Hebrew. I will, I will pray in Hebrew the prayer Jesus prayed this very night. We know what it is because it's the Passover prayer. They've been doing this for thousands of years. It would have, it would have been the prayer he prayed. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. Now, here is key. I want you to remember this as we go forward. Your repentance is not just about you. And, 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 and God's power to help you change your life is not just about you as an individual. When it says you in scripture, remember I, I, told, you, I, I, I told you the southern version that is the accurate version? When it says you, what's it mean? Y'all, that's right. It means all y'all, okay? And so he's talking to y'all. So when he, when he says, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, y'all, all y'all, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. Now, stop right there. Now, I got to teach you something. This is so important because people have this thing, well, someday, you know, someday, he's talking about heaven, obviously, right? No, he's not. This Greek word, this new, this Greek word new is, 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 is kainos. Now, when it talks about time in, in, in Greek, there's two, there's two words, chronos, which, from which we get the word chronology. It's segmented time. It is how, what, what we give past, present, and future, that's segmented time. But the Greek word kairos means when the time is ripe, when something spiritually is changing the quality of our life. That's kairos. This word, kainos, is related to that word. And so it doesn't, it's not talking about sometime far uh, in the future, someday. It's talking about an elevation of your life now as it is. New means elevated, better. Quality of life is a spiritual quality, not just a physical quality. When he talks about my father's kingdom, where, where is the kingdom of God? Jesus taught us this. It's in you. It's among you. The kingdom of God is within, among you. It's right here. When we take this communion today, he will be taking it with us, new with us, because he intends to make us new people. Okay, let me, let me, let me 
Let me just tell you, this is what God does. As a matter of fact, Jesus declared it. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. He who sits on the throne, that's Jesus, saying, Behold, I am making all things new. That's that word again. That's that word again. Kainos. When it says, um, if any man be in Christ, if anyone be in Christ, behold, he's a new creature. There's that word. The old has passed away. The new, there's that word. It's a whole different quality of life. That's what's available to us all. And it goes big time. So when we talk about God being able to use us in a powerful way, see, I've been explaining for a while and I'll continue to explain till you believe me, that God has spoken a prophecy into your life. Every one of you has a purpose. You're not an accident. You were made with a plan. Do you remember last week when, when, when I was talking on Christmas Eve about Elizabeth telling Mary, and blessed is she who believes that God will fulfill the plan spoken to her will fulfill the prophecy spoken to her. Do you realize there's a prophecy that's been spoken into your life? It started when he knit you together in your mother's womb. You are physically a prophecy of God. You have a potential no one else has. You have a, you have a genetic makeup no one else has. It continued when he ordained your days when there was not yet as one of them. The ordination of your days that, that, that are a prophecy from God when there was not yet as one of them. It continued when you received Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit came in and gave you certain spiritual gifts, particular spiritual gifts. That was part of the prophecy he has spoken in your life. Now, how do you get from where you are to that new life, that, that life he has for you, that quality of life? Well, one of the first steps is this. You have to leave behind what won't let you get there. You have to leave it behind. This is a volitional act that all of us can do, not in our own power, not in our own power. You realize that most of us look at our sin and we believe that it disqualifies us from ministry. And I've been teaching you just the opposite. If you look at all the major Bible characters, all of them had sin. And none of them were disqualified because of that sin. Joseph was proud. Remember the coat of many colors? Just went to his brothers, bragged to them how they all would be bound down to him someday. He was proud. He was an idiot, but he's proud. Didn't disqualify him. It just, it, it, it just was a problem, you know? Moses had a, had a, a speech impediment and, and, and was rash um, and was given to impulse. Didn't disqualify him, just a problem. David was a murderer and an adulterer, didn't disqualify him. Elijah was suicidal. Don't even get me started on a woman at the well. Mess, she was a mess. Um, um, Peter was Im impulsive and, 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 you know, spoke out things that he knew. He, he, just, he just made declarations he couldn't possibly keep. Paul was, you know, Paul was pretty angry. He was a persecutor of the church. Even in some of his writings in the Bible, you can still see a tinge of anger here and there. Just that little problem, you know? 
You all, you all have this kind of besetting characteristic, you know, sin. You know, when I grew up, <clears throat> I was so argumentative. I would argue about everything because our family was what was called a conflict habituated family. Our main form of intimacy was fighting each other. That's when we got our full attention from each other, when we got in an argument. So I argued with everybody about everything. You know, today, you can't get me into an argument. Go ahead and try. Ain't it? That is the old man. That's the old man. I've left that. I build bridges these days. Just the opposite of the man I used to be, because I'm the new man. So the, what I'm saying is that our sins do not disqualify us. By the way, it's important to remember, neither do they qualify us. Everybody who has a sin um, all of a sudden goes on the lecture that, that they've partially conf, you know, conquered so far, goes on the lecture circus, uh, uh, circus <laughs> on how to do that. You know, they feel that qualifies them for ministry. Just because you have a weakness, it doesn't qualify you for ministry. Don't make a ministry out of that. What it does is it, it puts you in a place where you can empathize with others who have that same weakness. You can connect at that weakness. That's the good of that weakness. Doesn't qualify you for ministry. What call qualifies us for ministry? The call of God, the ability of God, the righteousness of God. This is what it says in Philippians. Watch this. Philippians chapter three, verse 12, verses 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. The, the Greek word here is telos, it means mature, all right? Maturity is a lifelong process. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. That's the prophecy in your life. You've all been laid hold of by Jesus Christ. You wouldn't be, who drifts into church on New Year's Day? You're here because you're called here and you sense that calling and you, and you knew it was the right thing to do. <clears throat> Nobody comes in from part. You go, well, I, I haven't got anything else. Today. I think I'll go to church. No, there's a calling on you were laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it. Now watch this. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward, there's the word, call of God in Christ. I want you to link these two words in your, in your brain. Forward and upward. They're the same thing. That's that kainos. It, that's that quality. That's that newness. We don't need to go forward. We need to go upward. Because that's the quality of life God wants us to have. And so, when you, if you're ready to start... This one, two, three, go. If you're ready to make the declaration today, um, <clears throat> two things you need to remember. First of all, as I've been saying before, you need to have things that you're willing to let go of. Now, now all of us say, yeah, I want to stop sinning, but when it gets right down to it, it's pretty nice. You know, I mean, we're used to it, you know, and God's grace, he forgives us anyhow, so... What's the big deal? 
The big deal is you will never get to the life that you want to have, that you were made to have, if you hold on to what is keeping you back and indeed dragging you around. You've heard me teach on water skiing, most of you. <clears throat> and, and the first rule of water skiing is when you fall, what? Let go of the rope. First rule, when you fall, not if you fall, when you fall, let go of the rope. Otherwise, you'll be drugged all around. The same thing is true of sin. You know, I know so many people say, well, no, no, I, I, I can't let go of this. I got to conquer it. I got to conquer it. I got to get better. I got to, no, let it go. Let it go. You'll never climb back on top if you focus on that theme, thin, uh, sin. If you, if, you, if you clutch that habit, some of you, for example, have been horribly disappointed and recently. And, and so there's this justice thing in, in you that kind of looks like vengeance, got to tell you. You know, we need justice. Kind of looks like vengeance. I've been hurt. I want them to hurt. That's only just. Kind of looks like vengeance. Kind of looks like vengeance. Can I just say to you, you got to let that go. You, you will never be healed until you leave that to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. All right? So you see what I'm talking about here. This is really important. And so part of what we're going to do this morning is we're going to name some of those things. We're going to name some of those things. But I, I, I want to tell you, this is the second thing that's important to remember. The reason so many of us fail in, in trying to have this new life is that we try to do it by ourselves. You know, we got these sins. We want to keep them to ourselves. And I understand that. I don't, want, I don't want to be telling people my stuff, you know. But you realize, don't you, that you were made for relationships. You'll never be saved, wholly saved, outside relationships. I mean, you're, you're saved from your sins through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ by his grace on the cross. Yeah, 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 yeah. But sanctified saved made holy saved, the rest of the way saved, outside of relationships. That's what's, that's what's really important. Let me read from Ephesians. In Ephesians, it says this, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. In reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside, this is, this is what, what, Paul is commanding the church at Ephesus and every church he will share these, these, these writings with. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you, remember who you is, y'all, all y'all, and it's not all y'all separately, it's all y'all together. That's key. Because we will not be, be healed by ourselves. God didn't design us like that. In accordance with the lust of disease, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what, that's what I'm going to teach you coming up. You know, you have the mind of Christ. You just have been, never been trained to use it. And, and so we're going to train you, but we're not going to train you individually. 
We're going to train you in the relationships you already have. Or maybe some new relationships you want to make. Because the whole secret to having new life is to have new life together. You will never appreciate what God is doing for you until you appreciate the others God has surrounded you with that he is also doing in their life. And because of them, he's doing in yours. Put on the new self. There's that word again. Which is in the likeness of God have, uh, and has been created in righteousness. What is righteousness? Meeting the demands of a relationship. It's all about relationships and the holiness of the truth. Some of us, no, probably all of us live in some regret of something we've done in the past or something we're doing right now. It's a very important lesson for us to understand God's power to heal us from that regret. And it won't be done just by our own efforts, no matter how many resolutions you make, even to hand it over to Christ. When I was uh, in middle school or early high school, I don't know what the core curriculum these days is in school, uh, but we, we studied some of the classics. And I remember this wonderful epic poem, The Rime of the Ancient Mariner. It was written by uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge in, I think, 1837, a um, couple hundred years old. But it's a wonderful poem about this crusty old sailor that just has to tell people his story. And so he traps somebody at a wedding feast and he says, you got to listen to this. You got to listen to this. And this guy's just, you know, cragged and crotchety and just looks horrible. And he starts telling about signing on with this ship and the ship sets sail and, and this terrible storm drives it to the south of Africa toward the South Pole, and they find themselves in the midst of ice. And then the poem says, there's ice everywhere to see. And the ship can't move. And there is no wind. And after weeks of this, and they're starting to run low on supplies, they spot in the sky this huge bird, this albatross. Now, to a sailor back then, an albatross was a good sign. It's a wonderful stroke of God's providence and luck. They didn't separate, separate anything away from God's providence. And sure enough, when the albatross began to, sing, uh, to, to, to surround the church or to fly around, uh, uh, fly around the ship, <laughs> I'm doing a little transliteration here. The ice started to crack. And the winds picked up and they began to make progress. And every day that bird was there and every day they made more progress and they believed that they had been saved. Except for this ancient mariner did a very stupid thing because somehow this giant bird irritated him. By impulse, he took a crossbow and shot it. And it landed on the deck. And all of the rest of the crew looked at him like, what have you done? And sure enough, all of the winds died. 
The poem says, we could have been a ship painted in oil on an oil ocean canvas. And all of the supplies continued to wane until they were all so thirsty. The poem says that the sails sagged and it was so sad because there was water, water everywhere and all the planks did shrink, water, water everywhere and nary a drop to drink. And then they spotted this other ship off in the horizon that was coming toward them. And they were so happy, except when it got closer, they saw it was a phantom ship with only two inhabitants and they were playing dice. Death and death while living. And as it came closer, death won every sailor on the mariner's ship except for the mariner. And death while living won him. Some days before, the crew had gotten together and they had hooked that dead albatross around his neck so that he could wear his shame and their blame. And he couldn't take it off and it began to rot and he began to wish for death, but he couldn't die because he was doomed to death while living. All the rest of them died one by one and the mariner said, and I felt their spirits shoot by me like an arrow from a crossbow. And finally, one night, wanting to die, he looked out on the ocean and the moon was bright and its beams shone on the water that glistened like diamonds. And he saw movement and he looked closer and there were hundreds of water snakes. A sight that ordinarily would have repulsed him but for some reason, for just the greeting of some other life, he saw them as beautiful. And the poem says, and there gushed from my heart love, and I blessed them unaware. At that point, this albatross dropped from his neck and it sank like a stone into the ocean. At that point, the winds picked up and the boat was carried back to the homeland. What just happened there? What he could not remove by himself was removed by his love. You see, he couldn't get rid of what he had regretted until he learned to live in the gratitude for what else God had provided. You understand? We will never get rid of our regret by concentrating on our regret or the matters of our own regret. We need to name them 
so that we can turn from them to the blessings that surround us, both the blessings that God has provided in our lives and the people that are around us. And by loving them, by, by blessing them, our regret will drop from our necks. So, here's what we need to do right now. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. Now, what that means is we have to name them. We have to name them. And so I'm going to give everybody a chance to do that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want you to do something that you won't often hear me say. Take out your cell phones right now. Take out your cell phones. And while we take communion, we're going to have an opportunity to actually see this being done and experience this being done in our own life. Those of you online, take out your cell phone because you'll have the same opportunity we will, we will have. I want you to follow the on-screen instructions anytime during communion. And here's what we're going to do. I want you to text CLEANSE you know, text, uh, uh, to this number, 27126. Text the word CLEANSE and your sin or your struggle. Now, by the way, this is completely anonymous, that your name doesn't pop up. No one knows your name here. It's just in cyberspace. And so it's between you and God. But you have to own up to what you need to leave behind in order to have the new life God has for you. So, so here's what I want you to do. When I call people forward for communion, and people start coming forward for communion, I want you to text a word or two that identifies what you're trying to leave behind, something that stands in the way of the fullness of your love of God, stands in the way of the fullness of your love of other people. And yes, there will be physical um, sins and, and struggles and addictions, but I want you to go deeper. I want you to go down into the mental ones and the, and the spiritual ones. If you're hanging on to anger, if, 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 you're, if your natural response is condemnation or suspicion or fear or doubt, I want you to name some of those things too. Because those are the things that God is going to teach us to leave behind. We can get rid of them today. I, I'll give you a little hint. We have certain neural pathways and we've been taught how to think that, have, that has formed those neural pathways. We've been taught by the world how to think. This series that's coming up, I'm going to teach you how to think like Jesus, how to see like Jesus. And so you will create new neural pathways. In the meantime, these things that are spiritually gone today, mentally they'll come back at an opportune time. Remember what the Bible says about Jesus in the, in the desert and how the, how the devil left him? until an opportune time, you know, he's going to come back. They'll come back for a little while. But I'm going to teach you, no, those are gone. Those don't have any reality. Those have been conquered by Christ. And so they have no power over you. Sin will no longer have any mastery over you. That's what it says in Romans chapter 6. And that's going to become a reality in your life because God's got something much better for you. It's the reason you're still here. And so, let me, 
help us to partake of communion wherein those sins are in remission. Let me ask those who are participating in serving communion to come forward at this time. And as they take their positions, let me guide us in this holy sacrament. I also, just for your awareness, when I do communion, I use the ancient words in the ancient ceremony. It's what I was trained in. It's what I love. Um, and so you will recognize some of these prayers. They are a couple of hundred years old, but they get at the heart of what God wants to do in our lives. Let me instruct you as to the how-to in case you've never been here before. Um, when we take communion, we usually take it by intention. And, and what that means is you will be called forward by, by ushers, row by row, and you will come forward and you will get from the basket a piece of bread. And you will dip, that's what the intention means, to dip, in the cup of your choice. The white cup is, is uh, juice, the, the darker uh, liquid is wine, and you will partake at that moment. Those of you, as you see people come forward, you partake of whatever elements you have if you're, if you're worshiping with us online. Let me share with you, this is, this is a, a family meal. Uh, it's for those of you who believe in, in Christ. And so all of you who believe in Christ, all of you who trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sins is, are welcome. If you're not quite there yet, don't be ashamed or embarrassed or anything like that. Just, just kind of stay where you are and just ask for God to reveal himself to you. If you want to talk to somebody, we have folks at the back of the room who would love to tell you about how to trust in Christ. Um, and then you can partake of communion uh, on the spot. Uh, for those of you who have children with you, uh, please explain to them why they should or should not partake of communion if they are or are not believers in Jesus Christ. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways, draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and make your humble confession to Almighty God. Let me pray the prayer of general confession. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all men and women, we acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, and this would have been that prayer of thanksgiving, Baruch 
המוצא לחמין הארץ. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu molech ha'alam, Borei pri hagafen, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth fruit from the vine. He gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Let me pray the prayer of humble access. We do not presume to come to this thy table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to partake of this sacrament of thy Son, Jesus Christ, that we may walk in newness of life, and may grow into his likeness, and may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Now would you please, at the direction of the ushers, come forward to partake. Those of you who cannot come forward, simply raise your hand. We have trays that are passing throughout the room. They will come to you. And as people are coming forward, you may continue to text your specific sin that you need to be leave behind. Um, and watch what happens to those. So please, at this time, come on. <laughs> 